Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Okay, welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, I am Labriska. Just kidding. I'm the other redhead here. I'm Heather. And um, I'm married to Adam, who's the pastor here, for those of you who are visiting. And he is traveling today for this whole week. And it's really exciting. He's going to be at several different vineyards in the Northeast. So he heads out today. He's heading to Boston. And then he's going to be in New Hampshire, um, speaking to all the worship leaders in the Northeast region of the vineyard. And then he's going to be hanging out um, in Maine with um, our national director, Phil and Janet Strout. He's going to be hanging out with them a bit in in a church in Maine. So uh, it's really exciting. Therefore, I am here with you today. So today we're starting a new series. This series is going to last for three weeks. And we're going to be talking about why church matters. This is actually really an important topic nowadays, and we're going to really dive into it and try to hash out some questions people may have, some concerns, and and talk about why it even matters that we as Christians are part of an actual local body of Christ. So that's, that's our plan. I grew up in the church. I have been going to church since about December 1979, right after I was born. I was a preacher's kid, so I've, I've been in church my entire life. Um, when I was little, I used to, I remember sitting in the pews, and for those of you who are familiar with, like, um, more traditional church culture and hymns, you'll get this reference. Everyone else, just bear with me. So I was in a more traditional church. I remember sitting in um, pews and um, trying to figure out the hymns. Like, there was this one about a, an, an old rug-covered cross, And um, looking back, it was rugged, but I didn't know that word. So I remember sitting in the pew trying to figure out why did they cover a cross with a rug? And then I was like, oh, because we cling to it, it makes it softer because I knew it was made out of a tree. And so it all made sense, and I've loved theology ever since. So I just like to figure it out, you know. Um, And after my younger years, I met my husband in youth group. So we were youth group sweethearts, and that worked out pretty good. So we are um, glad for youth group. We, we found the love of our life there. And then when after Adam and I met, but before we were married, we were part of starting this church, which is really cool. So I was still in high school, and Adam was in college, and we ended up joining with some of his family, and it started out as a house church and grew into what we are now. So along the way, I have literally done every job in this church except for one. I haven't run sound because we didn't have a sound system back then, and now I'm not allowed to touch anything back there. But I did run the overhead projector, so that's kind of like that. But I've literally done every job in here, okay? I've cleaned toilets. I have watched nursery taught every kid's class. I led worship with a guitar. Scary. Back before we had talented people. And I've preached. I've greeted. I mean, you name it. So I say all that to, to make a point. 
Um, you know how, like, people who work in restaurants, especially people who work in the kitchen of a restaurant, if you see those people eating at the restaurant that they work at, do you feel like a sense of relief? Like, okay, they know what the kitchen looks like, and they're willing to eat the burger, so I feel okay. It's like, even with all of the um, myths that go around, you know, people spitting in food and, and uh whatever in kitchens so but if you see someone and you know they work in the kitchen and then you see them eating their meal at that restaurant you feel like okay all right this is probably okay um i have seen every part of the church i have been part of a mega church Uh, i have been part of home church i've worked every part i've grown up i've been through my formative teenage years and i still love the church i'm still here And I just feel like that's, I'm flashing my credentials a little bit here because saying that I've been in church my whole life and saying that I've been in all these roles in leadership, you have to understand that means I've seen the good and the bad. So I've been, you know, I've been hurt. I've hurt others. I've been through all of it. And I still value and love and cherish the church. And I feel really excited about this series. And I feel excited about sharing all this with you guys because I believe it with all my heart. So... That's my little credentials there, okay? All right. There is a simmering conversation going on right now across the nation among believers about the relevancy of church. I'm sure that you guys have heard some of these things. I'm sure maybe you've even had your own conversations. Um, Things that go a little bit like this. I love God, but I don't think I need to be part of a church to follow Jesus. Um, I don't want someone else to tell me how to serve God. It's personal. It's my relationship with God. Sure, the, the church used to be necessary. Sure, yeah, I'll give you that. But now we have the internet. So I can just watch a podcast. I can stream a live sermon. I can read a blog. I am totally connected to the big mythical body of Christ. The church... Man, that place is full of messed up people. I don't think God would want me to be part of that. Like, he's all for holiness, and they're all messed up, and no part of that. Or maybe, oh, well, yeah, church is fine, but I send money to a charity. I send it to an international organization that does really great work. And I don't really see the local body doing, you know, things that are quite so flashy. So I'm part of the solution. It's all good. Or maybe... Well, my church is my, insert whatever, my church is my family, or my church is my job, my workplace, or my church is my prayer closet, or my favorite. Uh, I knew that pastor in high school. There's no way I'm listening to what he says about the Bible. (laughs) So I'm sure that you can insert a million other lines that you've heard or been part of a conversation of yourself. And I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. I think it's actually a really healthy and a good thing to talk out, hash out, and question and explore why we do things we do. I think if we don't do that, then we will much easily, more easily be swayed away from our beliefs. Okay? Um, I recently read an, a news article on NPR.com. Um, about this. And so I'm going to read you a quote from that that kind of sums up the attitude that we are um, talking about here. Okay? 
Skepticism about religion is especially evident among young people. A recent Pew study found that barely a quarter of millennials, those are people born between 1981 and 1996, barely a quarter of those people attend church services on a weekly basis, compared with more than half of U.S. adults born before 1946. So we're we're seeing this trend, um, especially among millennials, that once you reach independence, people are leaving the church like crazy. Um, 25%, you know, that's, that's a drastically different number than 50%. So, But I want to point out something else. This is a national trend, but it's actually not the trend that we're seeing here at Vineyard Campbellsville, which is kind of, I mean, this is really exciting. I want to point out that We here are seeing more and more people every single week become awake and aware of the unconditional love of God. We're seeing the kingdom of heaven break into our community in like brand new, exciting, and unforeseen ways. We're seeing deep, deep, decade-long emotional hurts completely healed. We're seeing marriages restored, prodigals returning home beauty released into the streets, dreams realized, the poor are fed, the lonely are placed in families, and we're actually seeing physical bodies healed. Like, we're seeing a different trend here. So I think that's important to take note of. Um, The conversation around the world about um, the drastic decline and the effectiveness and relevancy of the church is going on. So I think we need to make sure that we have our own conversation here and acknowledge the good things that are going on here and how it's trending differently. We're seeing a church do what it's meant to do, and it's being done by a bunch of weirdos, by a bunch of people who are not perfect, um, who have all kinds of problems, and that is the beauty of this church and the church at large. And that's why church matters. And that's why we wanted to do this series. We really do see the beauty and the genius of the church played out every single week. It's actually not theory for us here. We literally are seeing it. And we want you guys to uh, become awake and aware of the things that are going on in this body too. I think that the best place to start when we really want to dive in to why we do things we do especially in relation to faith and church, is just to look at the word and see what Jesus has to say about it. So let's go ahead and put up our passage for today. This is out of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start with verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of um, Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do these people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, But still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. There is so much gold in this passage here. We could mine for days. But we're going to take a really big picture look at this passage. Uh, A really basic foundational truth look at this passage. 
So I have um, read it several times this week, and I feel like the Lord has highlighted five thoughts that we're going to kind of hit, okay? Number one, Jesus is with his disciples here. And, that, and that's my first point, that Jesus meets people where they are at. He was with his disciples because he had invited them to follow him. That he had gone to where they were and invited them to follow him. These men were about as random of a group as the people in this room. Have you guys looked around this room? We're pretty random. We are pretty random. Um, we joke often around here that there is not a political rally or a concert or a sporting event or any event that we can think of that would gather this group of people other than Jesus. And so it's really, um, it seems like a throwaway kind of concept. Yeah, Jesus was with his disciples. But I think it's um, important that we grab hold of even the little things are Jesus is teaching us something, even in the little comments and the little throwaway verses. And that's that Jesus gathers people, random people, pulls them together, and in him you find unity. Like I, We may not find unity on any other topic or any other interest, but in Jesus we can find unity with anyone. And that's really beautiful. Um, my second point is that Jesus is patient. Jesus didn't demand that these followers memorize teachings and take a test to get some right answers. He didn't ask them, come, come and, oh, like, come and take my college course on Jesus 101. He said, come and follow me, walk around with me, eat with me, talk with me, watch what I'm doing, question me. All of those things are so important. But even more important is that Jesus is okay with that. He gives people space and he gives people time. There wasn't anxiety coming from Jesus with his disciples. Um, I think sometimes we might place anxiety upon Jesus that we think should probably be there. Like, come on, guys, hurry up and get to the part where you recognize that he's the son of God. Like, come on, come on. But um, that's actually not in Jesus. He is totally cool with walking with these disciples, letting them come to wrong conclusions occasionally, letting them have space to figure it out. Because have any of you ever tried to teach anything to a preschooler? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Um, if you just tell them something in one ear, out the other, you have to allow them to come to conclusions on their own so it, like, connects and makes sense to them. And Jesus is cool with this. He takes these random ragtag group of guys, invites them to follow him around, and then gives them the space to come to conclusions as they do and work it out and talk to them and answer their questions. And it's totally cool. So the patience of Jesus is really beautiful and it's really seen well in this context. There are people in this room who have walked with Jesus for decades there are people in this room who still aren't quite sure about this whole Jesus story. And there are people in every spot in between those two extremes. And that is right where Jesus is. On everyone's journey, giving them space to find Jesus and to connect with his reality and his revelation. Number three, 
church is the natural progression of a belief in Jesus. Um, Peter, I'm sorry. Peter came to this um, realization, this revelation that Jesus was the son of God. As soon as he said that to Jesus, Jesus' response was, on that rock, I'm going to build my church. The church isn't the idea of all the disciples. The church is Jesus' idea. And it is the natural overflow and progression of belief in Jesus. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. He doesn't say, you all will build your church. He says, I will build my church. It's not an invention of the followers. It comes straight from Jesus as the next step. It's not an accessory to the gospel. It actually is the gospel. And I think that is probably the point that a lot of people get hung up on. That the church is the invention and idea of the disciples or of people. But really, this is God's idea. And it it only makes sense because... To believe that Jesus is the son of God, which is this rock or the revelation that God said the church is going to be built upon. To believe in that means a lot of things. It means that um, these disciples believed that God cared enough about them to actually come down to earth and be with them. It meant that he valued people for who they are and what they are because he took on his own body. He he thought that was important. It means that he was okay with hanging out with regular people. He didn't make um, these guys go through some extensive cleansing ritual in order to speak with him. Like, he was cool with just being with these guys. Um, It means he valued their friendship. It means he valued human connection. It means he saw possibilities in this present life. Why would he come down, take the form of a human, be with us unless he saw a possibility greater than what we were seeing. He was opening up doors here. And he knew that the only effective way to impact people was through community and friendship and family. God saw that. So it's only natural. Your belief in God would lead you to other people and to his church. Community. That leads me to my next point. Community is the container of faith and revelation. Peter got his revelation of Jesus in the context of following him around with other people. He wasn't alone studying in his room. He was with a group. And that group was the container for revelation. Now that group also, that community, became the container to grow the revelation revelation of Jesus. To develop, to learn more about him. And then eventually to spread the kingdom of God all across the world, all through time. It's a pretty powerful container. A common message throughout the gospel is that community is vital, that it's not optional, but that we need community. And community is built into the very essence of what it means to be a person. I'm sure you guys have read studies or heard stories about, like, babies who don't, get the contact they need when they're born. They don't get the eye contact or the touch or people who are put into isolation. Like, it makes people go crazy. Built into the very fabric of who we are is a need for other people. Um, And God was recognizing this. 
It was only natural. He wasn't actually introducing anything new. He was saying yes and amen to the way he made us, which was to need other people. And with those other people, we um, find our revelation of the love of God. And we've talked about this before. Uh, Adam brought this up a couple weeks ago, but I thought it was such a profound um, thought that I, I I can't quit thinking about it. And... You know, maybe it'll impact you all as well. But we're talking about Peter here. Peter goes on. um, He's kind of a, he blurts out all kinds of stuff. But he goes on to deny Jesus. Judas also goes on to deny Jesus. But there's a great difference in how these two people handled their, their failings and their shortcomings. Peter returned to his community where he ended up encountering Jesus being forgiven, and becoming a foundation for the first church. Judas, who did the same thing, I mean, they both denied Jesus. Judas went off by himself. And he ended up dying with a, believing a lie about God. Whether he was believing that he was not worthy of forgiveness, whether he was believing that God didn't have it for him, or he deserved to die, or whatever it is, he came to those um, untrue conclusions alone and he ended up dying and this is where i mean and adam said this isn't in the scriptures but based on these two stories you have to let your mind wonder what if judas had gone back you know like peter was forgiven and went not just forgiven but empowered and then judas went off on his own and in in that aloneness His despair overtook him. So it's worth thinking about. And that leads me to my last point. And that's that church is powerful. Look at this very last part. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It's so powerful. And at the same time, it's incredibly frail. It's frail because it's made up of a bunch of frail people. I'm a person. I know. We're frail. The foundation of the church is a simple revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And it's to a bunch of messed up, mistaken, and confused men. And to Jesus, that's enough. Like, that's enough. There wasn't a 14-volume theological book that they needed. They needed one revelation, and that was enough. And to us, that feels so like there's got to be more. We want to add on to the story and make it much more complicated. And, you know, there's got to be some anxiety in there somewhere. But um, to Jesus, that was enough. That these guys were journeying with him. And they, they didn't have it all right yet. But they had the simple revelation that Jesus was the Son of God. And everything that that entailed was enough to build, to build a church that the gates of hell could not overpower. I mean... That's crazy. That's crazy. It's really troublesome to us that God is okay with using all these messed up people to do his work. Like, it is troubling. (laughs) Because his kingdom is upside down to the way that the kingdoms of this world work and the way we think things should work is, is completely upside down. It really is. The more we get to know Jesus and the more we realize that his kingdom is completely different than the way we think it should be, 
we find ourselves very frustrated often with the failings of the church and the shortcomings of people in the church. I mean, and for good reason, people hurt each other and bad things happen. But when we find ourselves in that place of frustration, of the weakness of other people, rather than taking those moments as opportunities to feel anger and to walk out, actually those are great opportunities to, to experience wonder and awe at the grace and mercy of God that he could build his church and wants to build his church with a bunch of crazy messed up people who, who sometimes get it right, but more often than not, don't. And it's okay with him. I mean, that's a really big God. I think that God's a lot bigger than we give him credit for most of the time. I mean, if you were going to entrust your kingdom with someone, wouldn't you probably make sure everyone had it all together and we're going to make good decisions. But God is so confident in who he is and that love will, will conquer all that he can trust his kingdom with a bunch of people who can try their hardest and might not always get it right, and that's okay. And it's okay. So we have great opportunity there to celebrate the love and mercy and grace that God has for us. And in spite of all of the shortcomings of church, it is still a place today where people encounter the love of God. It's the place where people grow friendships. It's the place where people develop and find their identity. It's a safe place to receive healing and truth and to spread the kingdom of heaven into the far reaches of the earth. Those things are happening right now. We're seeing them happen. So in short, Jesus gathers all of these messed up people. He patiently waits until they are able to recognize him for who he is. And then this ragtag group of believers joins together and in spite of their weaknesses, they form a body. And this body, as odd as it may be, is powerful. It's so powerful that it withstands the forces of death and hell and has carried the revelation of God throughout thousands of years to millions of people. That's a pretty incredible container. You need to know that what you do here, it really does matter. Like greeting at the door matters. Coming and sitting and learning matters. Teaching kids church, it matters going to a home group, teaching a home group, whatever you do in this church body, like it matters. And it matters because this is Jesus's idea. It's his idea. It wasn't his plan that we all audition and make sure we're really good people and get it all right and this and that. And then maybe we'll get a position uh, to be part of this club. Like, no, his idea was together and journey together and be an incredibly strong container for something incredibly powerful. There is space here to work it out. And because we have this space, we are actually able to encounter God and to grow and to get it wrong and then get it right and then get it wrong again and continue on our journey. And we're able to love the world around us in the way that we were created to do. 
Because that's ultimately, we were created out of love and for love. And this is the place where we grow into what we were created for. So, All right, do we have a ministry team? Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.